Good afternoon. Welcome to Screen Cleaning. We're here each and every week to give you the very best in entertainment. And today is no exception. We're going to be talking comedy. Ha ha ha. Thank you for the courtesy trailing off laugh goal. Anytime. We need some some laugh track canned laughter. No, we hate that. Really? Only genuine laughter here. Come on. Earn your laughs, (laughs) Jeff. Let's go. All right. So... On the show today, we are going to be speaking with Lisa Valentine Clark, who's the host of The Morning Show, no secret, as well as the star of a couple of other shows that are going to be, or one other show that's going to be premiering on BYU TV this next week. We're super excited about it. And then we're also going to be talking about the different forms of comedy. So you've got your sketch comedy, you've got your stand-up comedy, and you got your uh, improv comedy. Good improv. There, I don't know why I kind of switched all. into like a... It was an announcer voice, I think. Oh, I was going... I just was picturing like the Bears sketch from Saturday Night Live. The Bears. Just getting in that comedy <laughs> mode. Now, that's not one we're going to be talking about, so I'm glad I spent a little bit of time doing that just now. But the first thing we do with each and every show is we start off by giving you the very best in entertainment news. And I guess it always includes a little bit of sad news as well, but there's probably a little ray of hope at the end of the rainbow for this show that's going to be canceled on Netflix. Aw. And it's called One Day at a Time. One Day at a Time. Just take it one day at a time. Have you guys seen this show? No. I know. <laughs> I've never seen canceled. it either. But I can tell you Rita Moreno is in it. She was the Oscar winning actress from a little film called West Side Story. Long time ago. A Best hmm. Picture winner back in the 1960s that is going to be remade by none other than Steven Spielberg, starring Cole's favorite Ansel Egg- Eggbort. What is it? <laughs> I think it's Elhort. El Gort. Yeah, there's a one of them. Oh, there's some, a ton of Ansel. Some Lord of the Rings type name. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he sings. He's. You can go look at him doing videos uh, singing City of Stars. Aww. And he's kind of got that, that same uh, singing voice that a lot of young people have these days. Like, uh, like kind of like that tired, <laughs> dreamy exactly voice. I know exactly Where it's like you... Cole, you'd be familiar with this musical. It's a folk indie thing. feel yeah, yeah. where like, they put air underneath it. Or, and... yeah, you put air underneath it and, mm-hmm. like, you scoop your notes yeah. so it's not like you're hitting each note. You're kind of, like, scooping your way to that note. Music analysis mm-hmm. here on Screen Cleaning. <laughs> yes. And we're not criticizing. It sounds good, but it's 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 certainly what the, young, <laughs> what the young people are doing these years or these days. Yeah. So there's that. Um for the older generation, which I mentioned this show and neither of you knew who it was nope. or knew what it was, Mm-mm. Mad About You is going to get a reboot. Can you tell me who is on one Mad About You? One show goes, another one yeah. comes. No, I you, can't. You do not know who is the star of Mad About You? Not at all. Cole. Okay. Are you familiar with Paul Reiser? I'm not. In name only. What? Okay. Did you see Stranger Things season two? Yes. He was the doctor he on that Rudy. show. No. no. Not Rudy. <laughs> not Rudy Rudiger. Um, no. Okay. The mean Look doctor? him up. He's, he's a stand-up comedian, speaking of comedy, who uh, a lot of people compare to Richard Lewis, who was on uh, – Richard Lewis is on uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm quite a bit. Okay. Um, what about Helen Hunt? I'm sure you've heard of Helen Hunt. I have Hunt. heard of Helen there Hunt. You go. Okay, so the two of them. 
it's kind of a Seinfeld-esque show. And in fact, I think there's an episode where they have a Seinfeld crossover where Kramer is their neighbor. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, look it up. It's going to get rebooted. A lot of people are excited about it. It was a very popular show back in the 90s when it was on. Mickey, you were born in the 90s. I was born in the 90s. Wow. Mm-hmm. I feel old. Me too. You were are you were you you weren't <laughs> yeah wait you cannot be an 80s baby me. you're not an 80s baby right i was born in the 90s okay that's what we just said all right so talking about different comedians and what they do other than their comedy there is going to be a new host of a really really late night talk show so it's even later than the late late show yes okay carson <laughs> daly has a show that airs at 1 30 eastern that's time. still going with no, for kinda. a little bit longer because <laughs> okay. he's getting replaced by Lily Singh, who is a YouTuber. Lily Singh? the young people watch That's what these... they wanted. Yes. Hmm. Right. The worlds collide. YouTube on real TV. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. This is a different time, people. So there's just going to be a new host in the myriad of hosts that make up late night television. You know what, though? Or you bring a guy on that's going to have a movie out this week and you make some lame jokes and then there's a musical guest and then the show's over. That just means one less show that Carson Daly hosts. Like, doesn't he still have like a half a dozen Did that he hosts? Did not make a dent. He's on Today. He's on The Voice. He's on all kinds of things. He's like Ryan Seacrest. I, right. don't, I don't understand how these guys are so busy. How, like, what do they do for fun? Yeah, Sleep, Good probably. Question. It's all they have time for. So speaking of new movies, we have a couple of trailers that we definitely want to talk about today. First off, I think a lot of people were breathing a breath of fresh air when they saw the new Aladdin, Aladdin. trailer. Did you guys see the new trailer? I did. And it was a breath of fresh air. I was like, oh, I'm excited now. This seems like actually Aladdin. Yeah. I'm Who knew? still skeptical of the genie played by Will Smith, which a lot of people mention in their social media um, feeds. However, I think a lot of people mentioned that once a whole new world came on, uh, we that's recognize when, this. Yes, that's <laughs> when people got excited because that part looked pretty cool, and it looks like your standard live action Disney movie. I yeah, I just don't know how I feel about Will Smith rapping a friend like you or a friend like me. Yeah, we'll just have to see, I guess. We'll have to <laughs> All see. All can do is wait. At least now I just expect it to be Beauty and the Beast level. It doesn't need to be good. It just needs to be, be a decent. It's there. It needs yeah. to be not there. bad, yeah. right? Right. Which now it can. Like, I, I really thought this was going to be terrible after the first two little teasers. This one... Gives a little uh, comfort. Okay. Now, there's another trailer that Cole and I refused to watch because when you get to be our age, the, you know. <laughs> I you, keep swinging from generation <laughs> to generation right. here. Yeah. You're in the middle. I do, yeah. Well, you're older than Mickey. So when you get to be our age, you, you want to <laughs> hold on. Like you want there to be more surprises in your life. Right? Sure. You, you, you hold on to that. So you want to be surprised as you get older. And we feel like if we watch these trailers, there's nothing left to be surprised about. One of the about. few surprises left that life can offer is what the 22nd Marvel Cinematic right. Universe movie will provide. I did take right. one for the team, and I watched it. Wait a minute. Oh, you took one for the team. Yes. So you weren't planning I on watching on this. I watched it on behalf. I did it for you guys. <laughs> and let me just say two things So we'll plug our it. ears and go <laughs> la la la, and you can tell the people what okay. to expect. Well, I'm la, not going to give anything la, away. La, 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 la. Oh, oh not on the all, mic. Okay, I see. Here, you already know this because you've seen the movie. Yes. Uh, 
Captain Marvel <gasps> makes an appearance. Oh yeah, which we're okay. excited about. She has some some sparring dialogue with a character who I will not say. Another but if female. Want to know? Do you want me to tell you? Yes. It's Thor. <gasps> Thor. Some there's they show a, a cute conversation between Captain Marvel and Thor. Hmm. Okay. And we've also got some new outfits. For Get all out of, of the town. Avengers. So they're all matching. Aw. Yeah, like real superheroes. <laughs> wow. And those are the, I would have to say, the two things that stuck out to me. The other stuff was just kind of like, this is the most important Endgame. thing to ever happen. And then, like, fighting. Nice. Okay. When's so, the screen cleaning team going to get matching superhero spandex? That is things? a good question. Maybe Sp- not spandex. <laughs> That's what superheroes do, well, right? Give me a few. Not months. The we can't just have t-shirts. The Avengers were months. wearing not spandex. Rubber, whatever. We By the way, get Iron Man. Suits. I was talking to my oh. wife about this the other day. Like, I could do a great job looking fit and chiseled if I, you know, if I was paid to work out. <laughs> So another and thing, had a personal trainer, mm-hmm. I would look great. <laughs> One of my favorite interviews was with Josh Brolin, who was on Deadpool and was on The Avengers last year. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about Ryan Reynolds and talked about Ryan Reynolds' suit in Deadpool and how it doesn't really leave much to the imagination. It's really skin tight and he's got to be buff. And Brolin said, hey, Ryan Reynolds is legit, but some of those Avengers, you just kind of get them into padded suits and you suck in the right places. Well, I wonder that about... can make you look better than you look. I wonder that about Shazam, because I see the trailer for that and I think that has to be fake because the muscles are like cartoonishly big. Yes. Yeah. So that has to be fake. I've seen Zachary Levi. I don't think his muscles are that big. It's possible. Hmm. There's another bit of Marvel news that I'm sort of excited about. Disney Plus is going to come out eventually and they need to get stuff on it. It was announced a couple weeks ago that the entire back library of Disney movies will be there and that's really great news that everyone sure. liked to hear. Yeah. They also need to have some new stuff and one of them will be Marvel. It'll be a cartoon called, based on the comics, Marvel What If, which mm. are, you know, what if this happened in the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Yeah. And it'll be based on the cinematic universe and oh, all of, movies. and even though it's animated, all of our actors will be reprising voice roles in it. So really? Captain America shows up in Marvel What If to say, what if he hadn't sacrificed his life or whatever? Wow. Then it'll be Chris whichever Chris, um, voicing Captain America, Evans. That's exciting. Yeah. Okay, so a reason to to get the new Disney app. There will be some original stuff as well. Great. Well, we do want to leave you with a movie review for this weekend. It's an option, we'll call it, called Wonder Park. Now, this is a film that is put out by Paramount Animation uh, in partnership with Nickelodeon Studios. And let me just start off by saying this movie looks great. And I afterwards, I, I looked up how much it cost because it looked like it cost a lot of money. And mm-hmm. it did 80 to $100 million, which it seems like it's not difficult to do these days with animated films because they just take so much time. And they have these amazing teams of animators and this is a, a good example of a of a movie that has wonderful animation. They've probably spent quite a bit of money on the cast as well because it's got Jennifer Garner, Matthew Broderick, John Oliver, Keenan Thompson, Ken Jeong, as well as uh, some others. So 
Yeah, they've they've put a lot of resources into making this movie. However, I wish they would have spent a little bit more money to have a script that was worthy of such an undertaking. Because essentially what you get here is a poor man's inside out. And I don't just mean poor man because Pixar spent more money on the film Inside Out. What I mean is it's a lesser version of an inside out type film. You have this girl that's very good at using her imagination, and I am a huge advocate for that. She and her mom create in their minds this big theme theme, theme park called Wonderland, which I don't know why the movie's not, not called Wonderland. Wonder it's just called <sighs> the movie's called Wonder Park, but the theme park is called Wonderland. And sure. all of the girls' stuffed animals are characters at this theme park, and you get to see a snapshot of them you know, welcoming all the guests and, you know, showing them all these different attractions. And they're kind of clipping along. This girl's really good using her at her using her imagination when real life gets in the way. Her mom, you, they don't really say what kind of sickness she has. You get the impression she has cancer no. and she goes away to get better. And so all of a sudden she gets rid of all of the imaginative stuff and becomes this very responsible, straight-laced girl who doesn't have time for that anymore. And lo and behold, this imaginary world is in shambles and they need her to remember her imaginative roots and help Wonderland get back on track and save them from these zombified stuffed animals uh, the plot is a little bit of a mess. There isn't really much of a plot. It's just a bunch of running around for a very brief one hour and 25 minutes. Um, like I said, the, the visuals look great. But again, it's just kind of a poor man's inside out. And what I do appreciate is the message that they kind of share at the end of it's okay to be imaginative and to face the real world at the same time. The two can coexist and live in harmony together. That's pretty good, especially considering what's going on. Maybe you just imagine that you have to go there for an escape or whatever, but you can grow up and still have some imagination. Sure. However, nice. instead of spending the 8 to 10 or $12 it'll cost you to get into this movie, just use your imagination for free at home with your kids, <laughs> and you'll even have a better time doing it, imagine I'm convinced. Imagine this movie. So not great. Most people will be seeing Captain Marvel for the third time anyway. If <laughs> I looked at Thursday night box office numbers, Captain Marvel is still pulling down $9 million yeah, on just a weekday. Yeah, that's definitely some repeat. And um, I'm, I'm Wonder Park didn't crack one million. Right. And I'm hoping to go see Fighting with My Family, starring Dwayne oh. The Rock Johnson. You have to tell us how it goes. I certainly will. Well, coming up on the show, as we teased, we're going to be speaking with Lisa Valentine Clark, not only about her morning show and improv comedy in general, but a new show that she's in on BYU TV that's coming out this Monday called Show Offs. That's up next on Screen Cleaning. What if the park you always imagined? I'm in Wonder Park. If the name Lisa Valentine Clark sounds familiar, then you've been doing the right thing by listening to BYU Radio weekdays at 8 a.m. Eastern, 5 a.m. Pacific for the Lisa Valentine Clark Morning Show. Did I get that right? You did. All right. Congratulations. And you've likely seen her in countless commercials, movie theaters. Every time I go to Megaplex, her <laughs> face is plastered on every door there. 
and even on BYU TV's Random Acts. And starting Monday, March 18th, you can see her on BYU TV's brand new comedy series, Show Offs. Lisa, welcome to Screen Cleaning. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, first of all, what is Show Offs? Oh, Show Offs is uh, a dream come true, first of all. Wow. <laughs> 15 years in the making, but it is a uh, long form improv comedy musical show where we uh, make up everything in front of a live studio audience, have them uh, vote on on a couple of vignettes that we do, of all from the audience suggestions, and then we act out a, a full-length uh, musical. That is awesome. So what makes it different from other improv shows that we might be familiar with? Well, it's no secret that it's hard to translate improv to TV. Um, the one that has been the most successful is Whose Line Is It? anyway, which is super fun. And those are short form, like little games. And, and uh, I mean, that's a great show and it's done really well. And, and uh, some friends and I thought, well, could, could we do it and translate it to what we do, which is long form uh, and do doing musicals in different styles like Oscar Wilde and uh, romantic comedy and uh, Western and science fiction. Can we use those different genres and will it translate? And the answer is yes. And it's a lot of fun. That sounds really tough, too. So I understand that the the cast members on this show were all, and you included in this, were all part of a comedy troupe that was formed years back. Tell us about the Thrillionaires. Yeah, so several years ago, there were uh, a few of us, McLean Nelson, uh, Haley Smith, myself, Brett Merritt, um, um, uh, Jake Suazo, um, and Matt Madsen, we we all decided that uh, it was time to do long form improv. At the time, we had only done short short form, really, and had mm-hmm. experimented a little bit and thought, let's start the Thrillionaires, where it's much more inclusive of genders. Because typically, you see, if you go to other you know comedy or improv uh, nightclubs, it's male dominated. Sure, um, it's hard for harder for women to find it more interesting storylines and more willing participants to play with. <laughs> so we started the Thrillionaires and started doing long form musicals and plays, but entirely improvised in different styles like Tennessee Williams or Shakespeare or B-Movie or John Hughes. And we had the most fun. We used to perform in a club, um, a music club downtown, uh, Provo, the Valor. And uh, the owner, uh, Corey Fox, was so great to let us perform there. We, We did that. We had so much fun. And then we all went our separate ways of doing different things. Uh, professionally, and but always had the dream that someday we would come back together and and revisit our true love, and that day is is now, and we got to make the show offs together. So, like you said, it really is a dream come true. Yeah. So it sounds like you've really got to know your stuff if you're doing Shakespeare, Neil Simon, all all these famous yeah. writers. You got to know your stuff. Oh yeah, we got a bunch of theater nerds. In, I was an English teacher. Uh, yeah, we've got a lot of. Of, of well-rounded people with a lot of uh, different kinds of knowledge yeah. coming together. So it's you, the most fun. You mentioned some of the different cast members from The Thrillionaires, but also on the show. Um, we're just going to go straight for the throat and ask, yeah. who is your favorite cast member and why? Oh, that's so 
hard. That's so hard because I love each and every one of them. I do have to say that my hat goes off to Haley Smith.、Uh, being a female improviser is not. Uh, an easy thing. A, a lot of people who study、um, musical dance theater or who study acting, especially actresses, in order to get roles, you have to have a certain look and and worry about that.、Uh, Haley goes above and beyond. Not only is she beautiful and intelligent, but she's not afraid to take a huge risk wow, and to、yeah. make herself look ridiculous or silly or dumb or whatever. She doesn't care because it's her love of. Of improv and and her love of everyone who she's on stage with that's totally contagious and makes you feel like you can do no wrong、yeah. and and really to act and to perform in an environment like that it, I mean, she really is the heart of of what it is that we do when we all come together and and、yeah. we're all better because of her, her. So I know that was a little bit of an unfair question there. <laughs> so how would you how would you describe the two male cast members on Show Offs? Well,、uh, McLean Nelson, this has been his driving force. I mean, his singular focus. He's he's. He's written and directed and produced a lot of movies, but he always knew that he was going to do this. He was—he's our cheerleader. We call him the Golden Boy because he just gets <laughs> stuff done. He'll say, "I'm going to—I'm going to get this project done," and we'll be like, "Yeah, sure, good luck." And he does. <laughs> and he says, "We're going to get this, and we're going to get this show, and it's going to be great." And we're like, "Well, good luck." You know, you've got a million things to do. Yeah.、Here. And he does it, and so he's really like that fearless leader that—that that is. Cheering us all on when times get tough, he just makes us all laugh by just saying, "Can you believe we get to do this? It's amazing!" Yeah. And then, of course, you can't forget、um, Jake Van Wagner, who is probably the funniest person that I've ever met, beside <laughs> my husband,、um, who just is eats, breathes, lives, is. Just everything that you want in a good improviser. He practices what he preaches, yeah, and he just has fun with it. He throws himself into it and takes it seriously, which is a funny thing <laughs> to say. But his、yeah. work ethic, combined with his just natural talent, just makes it really something special. Awesome. So, are, are there going to be any celebrity guests on show offs、oh, that we should be aware of? Yes. So, season one, we've got a lot of really great celebrity guests that you can look forward to. We kind of like to have them as a surprise. Okay. And, and for the second season, which we're just starting to film this week,、uh, more celebrity guests. And I, can I just say that when you haven't improvised with someone before, and they're coming into this family that、yeah. like loves each other, it's an intimate. Intimidating thing, and all the celebrities that we've had, like, are incredible. They want to jump in and have fun and just have a good time, and and that is not an easy thing to do. And I've been so impressed, and and I I think the audience will really catch on to how much fun we're all genuinely having. Yeah. yeah. Well, and it sounds like you guys must be doing something right because most shows don't get a two season order before the first season even <laughs> airs. So、oh, good for you. That was thank you. Thanks. We could not be more thrilled. Yeah. Yeah. So okay, to be a good improviser, you need to fully commit. So that's one thing I'm hearing right now, and it also doesn't hurt that you guys know each other really well, and which might be an obstacle for somebody who doesn't know you as well coming in. What would you say is a secret to improvising so well? Is it because you guys know each other so well, or are there a certain set of skills that you can develop over time that will? That will yeah, help you. sure. I think a lot of people more than than would consider. 
consider how much they use improvisation in their lives and improv and how useful it is. I think it bleeds into everything that I do. For sure, as a radio host, improv, you know, being good on your feet is, is sure. a great um, is a great trait as well as in motherhood. I mean, I think in parenting and trying to move things forward when you may be feeling other things is definitely <laughs> a great skill to have. When people think of of improv, they think of the guiding principle is yes and. Hmm. So, so the most useful thing that you can do when if you want to be a good uh, good at improv is to get really good at yes and, not yes but, not yes well, not yes, but yeah. yes and. That no matter what anyone offers you on stage, you treat it like it's the biggest gift and prize you've ever seen, the greatest thing. You don't look at it and say. What? That's the offer that you gave me? You take it and you run with it. And that's what moves the action forward. I think that's the most important principle um, of of what we do and what improvisation is all about. Yeah. So, again, fully committing, listening, and then also maybe not trying to be the funniest person in the room. Well, not even trying – not even that. Not Don't try to be funny. I mean, everybody mm. knows that person who's like, once they're trying to be funny, you're like, oh, okay, all right. You know, it kind of wears off you. But life is funny enough. Yeah. Like stuff that <laughs> happens to you that you can't plan for, those little magic moments, that's what you want to create. Yeah. You want it to be more likely to create than not. And the way that you do that is by playing along, yes anding, and not trying to steal focus, not trying to make it into, you know, if you want to go and be funny, that's great. Then go do stand up. It's yeah. just a different beast. You know, you got some jokes you want to tell. Awesome. You've got an agenda. That's great. Craft that, practice it. But that's not what improv is. So you've also been a cast member of Random Acts we mentioned on BYU TV, and that's a show about random acts of service. Mm -hmm. So aside from entertaining audiences with improvisation, what other purpose do you feel improv serves? Well, I think improv in all seriousness is a generous act. It's coming with people and and it's coming to people and being vulnerable. It's by exposing yourself really and 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 being truthful and listening to the other person and being able to offer them things not just that they you think that they want with your own agenda but what they really need what they're specifically asking for yeah. it's asking people to be present and in mm. the moment and to ex- and to experience and create something absolutely new that has never been created before that will never exist again and doing that together with somebody else yeah. that is a connection and that's what we all not only what we crave and what we, what we want and what we see less and less of in our society, but it's a basic human need. We want connection. Hmm. And I think people like to see improv because they see that connection. It's real. You can't fake it. So there are real world applications for improvisation. Do you have like a specific example of how developing improv skills might help somebody in their everyday life? Oh, absolutely. hundred percent. Um, being a good friend, being a parent, let's take like being a mom because yeah. that's, that's, that's what I'm obsessed about. Yeah. Right. Like that's, <laughs> that's my whole life's work is being a mom. Right. Yeah. And I may come into a kid's room and it's totally messy. And my agenda, my motivation for lack of a better word is, oh my gosh, just clean your room. Right. <laughs> I'm angry and I just want this thing done. That's what I want. If I am coming to the kid and I'm looking at them and I'm reading their emotions and I'm matching it 
which in the improv world we call peas in a pod, right? Like mm. you're trying to physically um, and vocally match the other person, which is an, an outside indication of how well you're listening, right? If I'm listening to that person and saying, hey, what's going on? How are you? And if then I'm listening and they're saying, well, I'm stressed out. This thing happened at school. Then suddenly we find ourselves in an entirely different situation. Now, do I still have a, a different conversation? Do I still have the... Uh, uh, you know, objective to clean the room. Well, sure, but but I'm putting that aside because I'm there in the moment. I'm making a connection with my child, and I'm yeah. saying, "Well, tell me what happened." And I'm responding, and instead of trying to fix the problem by saying, "Well, you should just do this," oh, you tell them that next time that kid, you know, says that thing to you, so help me, I'm gonna, you know, I'm yeah, not trying to fix yeah. it. I'm I'm saying, "Oh, I'm sad too." I, you know, I'm matching that. I'm sorry that happened to you. I'm not trying to fix it. I'm letting them talk, and I'm 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 um. Offering, giving an offering of how I can help. Yeah. After we've had that connection and after we've had that, it may become apparent why their room, why they're not cleaning their room. It yeah. might become a, other reasons may come. Now, does that mean that you know nothing gets done and you live in a messy house? Well, if you know me, you know that I'm obsessed. <laughs> Got a little OCD, you know, just enough to keep things interesting. That then we can meet us meet us at a point where I'm meeting them at their, you know, emotional level, I can say something like after we've had that conversation and I've listened and the appropriate time comes, I can say, well, I came in here to, you know, do this, but it's a give and take. I want you to clean your room. And here's why when I come in here, it stresses me out because of this is that, you know, what could we do to solve this problem together? Or what can we do so that I don't feel angry like this? Can you help me with this? And how can I help you to remind you so that I don't, pounce on you. These are right. different kinds of conversations. These are connections. These are all based. And that's, you know, it may be a good example. It may be a bad example, but it's a real example. Yeah. It's, it's, it's something that I've really used and that it's really worked. We're going to have to have you back another time to tell us how you can even get your kids to answer questions in the first place. <laughs> like, how was your day? Or how are you feeling? Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. I'll so, give you a tease. Okay. It's, it just ask them about them. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. So just in closing here, it's Monday night, March 18th. We're sitting down in front of the TV, turning on BYU TV. What can we expect to see or experience with the first episode of Show Offs? You'll tune in and you'll see something that you've never seen before. There's not another show like it out there. You'll find something that will make you laugh, that will make you smile, something that you can watch with everyone. It's not a kid's show that you just watch with kids and you just think, oh, that's just for, (laughs) I'm just going to tolerate it. It's not just an adult show that kids will watch and go, I don't get it. It's something that Everyone can watch together and laugh to together, and it's the most fun. Well, Lisa Valentine Clark, we appreciate your time here on Screen Cleaning. And if you want to hear more of Lisa Valentine Clark or see more of her, you can tune into Show Offs here on Monday night, March 18th, or just tune into BYU Radio every weekday at 8 a.m. Eastern, 5 a.m. Pacific. And you'll get more parenting tips and more things to brighten each and every day. Lisa, thanks again. Thanks so much for having me. When we return, Cole, Mickey, and I are going to keep going on this topic of comedy by discussing the different forms of comedy. You've got improv, sketch comedy, and stand-up. That's up next on Screen Cleaning. Anyway, in conclusion, this is a total emergency, a five-alarm blaze, which means i got to go to Mar-a-Lago so I can play some golf. And live from New York, it's Saturday night. 
And live from Provo, Utah, it is Screen Cleaning. We're back, folks. And today, it's no secret, we're talking comedy. We just finished speaking with Lisa Valentine Clark about her new show, Show Offs, which premieres Monday. And now, Cole, Mickey, and I wanted to spend some time talking about the different types of comedy. You just heard there a clip from Saturday Night Live, and I'm pretty sure that's Alec Baldwin portraying President Trump. No, that was was their president. (laughs) That was real. That was really Donald Trump. Wow. Amazing. Real life can be funny, too. Let's start off by talking about stand-up comedy. Now, the thing that I love about stand-up comedy is it's very uh, it's very conducive to a good time because the bulk of stand-up comedy tends to skew more toward observational humor, humor that we can all relate to. Airplane food. What's the deal with that? <laughs> right. Was that your Jerry Seinfeld? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and, I mean, what is better than, you know, finishing up a, wor- a, a week – of work, you're tired, you know, you're frustrated, not only at work, maybe you're frustrated at home too, and going and listening to a comedian who is, you know, joking about those very things, joking about work, joking about family life. These are all things that we can relate to. So I want to say that of the different types of comedy that we're going to talk about here, I think stand-up is probably the most relatable. Because its whole premise is its relatability. There's other kinds of stand-up as well. Sure. But that brand that you're talking about certainly is relatable because that's all that it is. There are some stand-up comedians that are really more storytellers than they are comedians. I think of Mike Birbiglia as an example of that. But the first clip I want to play here for you is from a comedian that is very popular in Utah County, we'll say. But he's actually uh, quite prominent elsewhere. And his name is Brian Regan. And in this clip, he's talking about wouldn't it be great if you're at a party with this me monster, as he calls him, you know, the people that constantly are talking about themselves. And wouldn't it be great if you were one of the 12 people to have walked on the moon and you were at a party with one of these me monsters? Yeah, I'm a big traveler. I have my business. All. I got my own global enterprise. I got to check on, you know, driving in the Autobahn because I keep a fleet of sports cars over in Zurich. And I got this Swiss account that I want to check on. Runways in Aspen are a lot shorter the first time you go in there. It's global enterprise. I walked on the moon. (laughs) So he's talking about people at parties that are trying to one-up each other with their stories. He talks about an experience going to a party where he shared a wisdom tooth story and somebody else in the room said, that ain't nothing. You know, and so he's like, whoa, excuse me. I didn't mean to waste your time. Uh, Anyway, I used to be a huge Brian Regan fan. He is extremely funny, very talented. He's been around, very experienced. Um, I think the reason I I don't listen to him as much anymore is because his style of comedy is very – it can be loud and obnoxious, I would think. It's funny. It, yeah, when he got loud there, that was the mild version oh, of yeah, Brian yeah. Regan. And wow. if, if you are going to watch Brian Regan, and I certainly recommend that you do, you should watch Brian Regan. Other comedians you can just listen to, watch Brian Regan because he looks like a mixture of Will Ferrell and Jim Carrey. Hmm. A lot of his facial expressions 
look very much like Jim Carrey. It's funny because a lot of people use that same uh, same argument about Jim Carrey that, you know, they don't like him because he's too loud and obnoxious. That's something that is endearing to me for Jim Carrey, but <laughs> maybe mainly for his 90s comedies. So the next... It's endearing when you have nostalgia attached to it. Right. The sure. next clip I want to play, you're going to know right away who this comedian is, just based solely on this very short clip. Hot Pockets! If you don't know him by name, you certainly know him by the Hot Pockets guy, Jim Gaffigan, another big name here in Utah County and elsewhere. You've seen him in a ton of different movies. And the reason Jim Gaffigan is actually my favorite comedian is because he talks about things that I can really relate to. His big his big bits are on laziness and fatherhood, and he has a great routine on camping my wife loves because she hates camping, as does Jim Gaffigan. But the thing that he's probably best known for is doing jokes on food. He does probably about five to seven minutes on the food bacon. You want to know how good bacon is? To improve other food, they wrap it in bacon. If it weren't for bacon, we wouldn't even know what a water chestnut is. Thank you, bacon. Sincerely, water chestnut the third. I even like the name bacon. You can't tell me the success of Kevin Bacon isn't somehow tied to his name. (laughs) Who's in this movie? Kevin Bacon? Sounds good. People aren't going to see a Kevin hot dog movie. <laughs> he is my absolute favorite. And his the, the thing that makes him unique is that he kind of does this voice that represents what the audience is thinking. Like, oh, man, is he pale? Uh, so he his, that's his big shtick is doing the voice of the audience. And it's so funny. And I think as a, as a stand-up comedian, you got to make fun of yourself. That's oh, a, absolutely. a core element of pretty much everyone's stand-up, and Jim Gaffigan is willing to do that. Absolutely. He's got a lot to make fun of. And the last clip I want to share with you here is actually from something called Dry Bar Comedy. This is a, uh, a, a roster of comedians that are featured on, in these specials that are produced by VidAngel. And we talk about VidAngel a lot. It's clean comedy, so it's a dry bar comedy. And this comedian's been featured also on Conan and Jimmy Kimmel. Very funny. He's going to be coming back to the dry bar, comedy bar. And uh, his name is Kellen Erskine. And his big thing is riffing with the audience. He is so sharp and so quick. Kellen is asking the audience what they did for Valentine's Day. And one lady shouts out, celebrate divorce, which, of course, made everybody laugh and also be a little uncomfortable. Usually it's like, went to a restaurant, my wife wrote my wife a song, and then I'm like, oh, and here's what I did. And you're like, no, stop everything. (laughs) Next holiday. (laughs) I got robbed last Christmas. Do something with that. (laughs) Comedy obstacle course. So he implements a little bit of improvisation, which I know Cole's going to talk about here in just a minute. But I think I think stand-up comedy is just a pure form of comedy because it's something we can all relate to. And, you know, when we have these frustrations and anger in our lives, 
sometimes it just helps to laugh it off. So, Mickey, I know that you are going to be talking about a different form of comedy. I am kind of the hybrid of improv and stand-up would-be sketch comedy. There you um, go. Which mostly takes place on TV, though there are other places. If you're not familiar with sketch comedy, it's when the TV show doesn't have a cohesive storyline, but rather it's a bunch of vignettes or sketches. The most famous um, sort of occurrence of this would be Saturday Night Live, like we heard the clip from earlier, um, which started in the 1970s, I believe. Oh, yeah. Um, 75. And has gone strong for a long time. They're very famous for their political... Uh, sketches, but not all sketch comedy has to be political. Every new president gets their own person to impersonate them. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Alec Baldwin is Trump, one of my personal favorites. I think it's a very good impression. But there's also so many other fun sketches from SNL. Do you guys have favorites? Absolutely. I have a favorite cast. So basically the cast that was kind of like late 80s, early 90s, you have, I, I think, the best cast ever in those years. And if you need an example of who is in that cast, you've got uh, Dana Carvey, Mike Myers, Adam Sandler, David Spade. Phil Hartman, I think, is the most talented person to come out of any Saturday Night Live wow. cast. Arguably, it's got to be Phil Hartman. Because I like the 2000s where you've got Bill Hader, Kristen Wiig. Fred Armisen. I think this is a generational all thing. All those people. I think it we're definitely seeing is. how old each of us is here. <laughs> but that's why SNL is so fun. Everyone kind of has their favorite casts. What's Everyone your favorite? Watched SNL. You didn't watch it? I have a couple favorite sketches. Like I'm partial to Celebrity Jeopardy. I guess. Okay, so funny, you're you but... like Will Ferrell. So this would be very in mm-hmm. in line with how old we are. Absolutely. Right. Very funny. Um. But you, it doesn't always have to be, I love the, I live in a van down by the river sketch. <laughs> I think that's very funny. Also, Cheerleaders with Will Ferrell. Yes. Do you know that one? Oh, there's one that they, they did that with Jim Carrey, and I watched that over and over and over again. And more Cowbell as well with Will Ferrell. Of course. And the best part of any of that era is watching Jimmy Fallon in the background losing it. Because <laughs> a, key, character. a key to sketch comedy is that you're supposed to be kind of in it and acting and not laughing along with everyone. And then there's Jimmy Fallon in the background that's laughing. And you have some people that love it when the when the actors break, is what they call it. And then you have others that really hate it. Oh, because it's unprofessional, right? Yeah. As long as it's always the same guy, you can just kind of be like, oh, <laughs> oh, oh that's just Jimmy. Jimmy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but sketch comedy is not limited to Saturday Night Live. That's the most popular one. So lots of people think that. But there's tons of sketch comedy TV shows you got Key and Peel, Mad TV, Inside Amy Schumer, even ones for kids like The Amanda Show or all that. All that see when you talk sketch comedy, <laughs> I am much more partial to all that. Now you're speaking Cole's language than to Saturday Night Live because that's what I grew that's up with. That's what you grew up Seeing on. Seeing Keenan Thompson like set the record for how many years he's been on Saturday Night Live, I think should I think they should add on the all that years to uh, make it even longer. Did you hear the news that there's going to be a, a revival of all that? Mm-hmm. And Keenan Thompson is going to produce the of show. Of course he is. 
is. So, um, and he is a frequent collaborator with Lauren Michaels, not only on Saturday Night Live, but on other projects. Lauren Michaels is also well known for another sketch comedy troupe that he backed in Canada. This was Canada's answer, one of Canada's answers to Saturday Night Live. And it was a little show that you could see on Comedy Central all the time called The Kids in the Hall. Now, you may not recognize some of the names that come out of that show, but several of those cast members have been – their voices have been featured in Disney uh, movies. One of them currently, Mark McKinney, was not only on Saturday Night Live as a cast member, but he is currently on – the situational comedy series Superstore on NBC. Interesting. Yeah, there's tons of sketch comedy. One I really wanted to talk about that I love is Portlandia, also backed by Lorne Michaels, so that's funny. I didn't Um, know that. But it's because Fred Armisen, Saturday Night Live alumni, is one of the stars. This is sketch comedy based on kind of the white liberal stereotype that lives in Portland. But you do not have to understand that, be it, know it, to get the show and think it's funny. Portlandia is a little bit more absurd than Saturday Night Live, but you can watch it on Netflix. Be careful of content a little bit. Um, It's not all family-friendly, but I highly recommend Portlandia. And, you know, having lived in Seattle and watched a few episodes of that show... It is pretty much spot on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> of, I mean, That's what everyone says. It's a good slice or a good uh, snapshot of what Portland life is like because Portland and Seattle are very similar. Anyway, Cole, now we've talked a little bit about sketch comedy. We've talked about stand-up comedy and how improv it kind of enters into the picture of both of those. But then there's just straight improv, and you're going to talk about that, right? Yeah, improv shows think – Whose line is it anyway? And the reason I'm talking about this whole brand of comedy is because I love Whose Line Is It Anyway, where you get four or more or whatever characters up on the stage and you give them a scenario that they had never heard before or that is gotten from the audience to prove that they had never heard it before. And they just have to make something funny on the spot, given some kind of twist that every game is played with. Um, show-offs, which will be airing here on BYU TV. We talked extensively with Lisa Valentine Clark about that. Um, That's going to be an improv comedy show. Improv is a little different because it lends itself more to the live format. Stand-up comedy you can watch on Netflix or you can listen to in your car radio. One of the coolest things, comedy things of my life was when I was driving through Denver and just scanning through the radio, I found a stand-up comedy channel. Oh, cool. Where they were just playing just little bits of stand-up on the radio. Can't do that with improv because a lot of it is physical and a lot of it... Visual, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. and you need to feel that you're in the moment because sometimes when you go back and watch it later, it's slightly less funny because they weren't prepared and they didn't write it and they didn't have a whole writer's room making sure this is the funniest thing ever. It was just in the moment and you felt like you were there with them and that's what makes it so hilarious. And then they'll play with each other and they'll play with things that they mentioned earlier in the show and bring things back because it's all being done right in front of you. Yeah, it's interesting because I think a key element to any of these different forms of comedy is the audience. I mean, you can write a really funny sketch, but a lot of times you need the energy of the audience to not only um, 
you know, it, it really elevates the performers' performances, I think. And even sitcoms, which are very canned, sometimes put canned laughter on top of that just to simulate it so that even when you're sitting at home on your couch, you feel like you were there in a live studio audience right. to get the jokes, too. And sometimes that helps and sometimes that hinders, I think. But I, I, I do agree that being a part of that audience, it's it's almost like – you know, you are being a part of the art that is improv just by being an audience member and participating. Mm -hmm. So if any, you know, we've talked about television examples and things that you can go watch, but if any of these methods of comedy lend themselves more to going out and finding something in your hometown where things are happening around you, it's improv. Yeah. Well, we've enjoyed sharing with you some of our favorite clips and favorite examples of some of our favorite forms of comedy, improv, sketch, and stand-up. And when we return, we're going to do a little panning for good and share with you one more example of a comedian that you'll definitely want to check out. He's clean, he's accessible, and I believe you can find him on Netflix. That's up next on Screen Cleaning. Back to screen cleaning today on the show. We've been talking comedy. Ha ha! Thank you, Cole. I didn't even think that was that funny. Uh, you know, it's no secret that Cole and I don't always see eye to eye on the types of entertainment that we enjoy, and that uh, you know, comedy is no exception. And the other comedy is more comedy is more acceptable, right? Normally, people have different senses of humor. And so no one really agrees on what the funniest thing is. So Cole and I got in a little bit of an argument the other day. As we do. uh, It should be noted that the thing that we are arguing about, we both find funny. However, we just disagreed on which episode of this particular show was the funniest. We left out sitcoms when we talk about different kinds of comedy because they're just – It's basically sketch comedy. (laughs) (laughs) But it's – the whole episode is a sketch. And so – we wanted to talk about our favorite episodes of some sitcoms. The particular argument we were having is in one of the greatest sitcoms of all time, The Office. And which particular episode is the funniest? I had the correct answer. Well, Cole gave the answer that would take my top pick for the most uncomfortable 21 minutes of my life. Oh, no, 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 no. So Dinner Party is the best written episode of a sitcom ever because it's got more than just your typical kind of Scott's Tots brand of cringe (laughs) humor. It has some really well-written jokes as well and piling it all together and taking them out of the office and letting your best characters riff on each other just a little bit um, in a perfect way. Wow. I I prefer the episode where, where Dwight is trying to go over Michael's head and steal his job and while he is meeting with Michael's superior to discuss this, he tells Michael that he's going to a dentist appointment. And Michael catches wind of what Dwight is doing. So he, when he confronts him about it, he says, what's your dentist's name? And Dwight on the fly says, Crentist. <laughs> and there's just a very oh, funny interchange And uh, I love the way the episode ends with Dwight being found out and groveling and on all fours, basically begging Michael to (laughs) forgive him and not fire him. 
Oh, I'm just laughing thinking about it. What's your favorite episode of The Office? Oh, The Office. I have to say The Dinner Party as (laughs) well. I just, there's the most written about that episode. So well done. So funny. Now, okay, when I think comedy, the the one show that I grew up watching again and again and again was The Simpsons. And not just because that's my last name, but because it is a genuinely funny show. It's a show that I can have on the background and laugh out loud still to this day watching episodes I've seen probably half a dozen times, right? So a couple of my favorite episodes, both are spoofs of musicals that we know and love so much. One of them was an episode that was written by Conan O'Brien. It was a spoof of The Music Man where this, you know, this uh, con artist comes into town and tries to convince all the townspeople how they should spend their newfound money. I think I can't remember how they got the money, but he wants them to build a monorail. And there's another episode that is a spoof of Mary Poppins, but because they don't want to get sued, it's called Sherry Bobbins and some very funny musical numbers in that one Who as well. Who would have well. guessed 30 years later they'd just be owned by the same company and they could spoof Mary Poppins That's without That's being sued. That's true. Yes, and... Uh, it's a it was it was really an it was one of the first animated series that I remember that wasn't meant for kids. You know, I can't think of another one that wasn't really a kids show um that was also animated. I so I have only recently started watching The Simpsons because seasons one through ten. You don't really need to go beyond that because but. seasons one through ten were happening when I was from zero to seven years old. <laughs> I didn't exactly grow up with The Simpsons, and by the time I did watch The Simpsons when I was in high school, it was the not so good Simpsons years. Mm. And so I levitated more towards Family Guy and South Park for your cruder humor. Okay, um, but. Now that I'm an adult, I'm trying to go back and appreciate what I had missed out on. I've heard a lot of good things about Homer at the Bat. And so when I came across that episode, I was really excited and it lived up to its expectations. That is my favorite episode of The Simpsons. You being the sports fan Mm -hmm. that you are, that was probably like a dream come true for you. It was perfect. And bringing out all the different actual baseball players as their cameos instead of whoever else they get for their famous Simpsons cameos. It was fantastic. So in that episode, uh, Mr. Burns has a company softball team, and he doesn't want to lose this bet to this other company. So he goes out and he hires professional baseball players. Yeah. Like, and there's a, there's space for everybody on the roster except for Homer, who uh, who is replaced by Daryl Strawberry. And so Homer has some not nice things to say about Daryl Strawberry. <laughs> Great episode. If you want to feel old, watch that episode because all of these baseball players have long since retired Pretty the sure game. Jose Canseco makes an appearance. Now he's more famous for his off-the-field allegations than he was for ever playing baseball. Wasn't he also famous for uh, somebody hitting a home run off of him because the ball bounced off his head and over That's the fence? also Jose Canseco. <laughs> Mickey, what about you? Oh, man. I can't say that I've ever regularly watched The Simpsons. I've seen a few episodes, but I do have some other sitcoms that I like. Yes. Um, have you heard of 30 Rock starring Tina Fey? Oh, yeah. yeah. One of my favorite 30 Rock episodes is where Liz Lemon, Tina Fey's character, wants to stop, or she believes her staff are treating her, giving her special treatment because she's a woman. Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, no, we're not. Or they say, we want you to have this special treatment. And she says, well, I don't want it. And they say, okay, go take that water jug 
and put it in the little water filter. You know those things where they have huge water oh, jugs? Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so she can't really do it, and she's spilling it all over herself. Very funny. Some of the best physical comedy I've ever seen. I think I've got news for you. I think you're an Alec Baldwin fan. I think I might be. Must- I mean, I'm definitely a Tina Fey fan. Hmm. But I'm probably an Alec Baldwin fan, too. So another example of somebody who's had quite the career because of a little guy named – he's not little, but a man (laughs) named Lauren Michaels. She was a cast member and head writer on Saturday Night Mm -hmm. Live. And then what does she do? She writes a sitcom about a bunch of writers on a Saturday Night Live type show called – I think it starts out as – uh, it's the girly TGC, show, the gir- or TGS, the girly, girly show. show, and then it becomes TGS with Tracy Jordan <laughs> in <laughs> order to boost the viewers. It is a funny show, and a lot of talented people have come out of that show as well. Well, as you know, each and every show we like to end things with our panning for good segment. There's good in them dire hills. <laughs> Today we're focusing on stand-up comedian Ryan Hamilton, who describes himself as the child of Jerry Seinfeld and Elaine Bennis from Seinfeld, which is a pretty accurate description if you if you see a picture of him. Uh, as far as his appearance goes, he's competed in multiple comedy competitions, including Last Comic Standing, and he's appeared on numerous late-night talk shows, including Conan and The Late Show with Stephen Colbert. And he works totally clean. And what's more important, he's actually pretty funny. Have you ever heard a lazier statement in your life than I tried to cancel my gym membership? You cannot get out of this. I called this guy and he said, if you really want to cancel, there are two ways. No, there's just one way. I tell you and then you do it. That's it. That's the only way. We're actually halfway done right now. If you would just meet me in the middle, we could close the case on this one, you know? He even kind of sounds like Jerry Seinfeld. That's funny. So you can actually also see Ryan Hamilton on Netflix. He's got a special there. It's very funny and one of the biggest smiles you'll ever see. And you'll have a lot of big laughs in your home when you enjoy that special. Ha, 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 ha. Thank you for that courtesy laugh. Another laugh that we didn't spend too much time talking about, but it does happen in any one of these forms of comedies that we've been discussing here on the show today. That's going to do it for this episode of Screen Cleaning. We hope you've enjoyed hearing us talk about some of our comedy favorites, so much so that you'll go out and check some of them out if you've never heard of them before. That's what we do on Screen Cleaning. We try to shine a big old spotlight on all that is good in entertainment. And we'll do the same next week on the show. 